Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. The title of today's Dharma talk is It's Inside the Affliction. What you're looking for is uh, it's a way of talking about it. It's inside the affliction, the thing you keep continually trying to turn away from, to cover up, to blame someone or something for. This is just another fancy way of avoiding things is to uh, look for what caused it. It's not that there isn't something to cause it. Of course there is. But if you chase that, it's like chasing uh, rabbits and they run away or they change or they morph into something else. And you use a lot of energy going after that. Again, I'm not saying there aren't ways in which this works uh, totally perfectly. And that's why that's why it fools us is because we we materialize things like uh, Trump Rinpoche's book, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, using spiritual techniques to get to a higher state, uh, more, more peaceful, more, 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 less, less difficulty, more and more nice stuff, blue skies, perfect temperatures and so on. That's why it's so difficult is because it's so seductive. The cause and effect situation is everywhere. Uh, you, uh, apple falls from a tree, uh, cause, and it hits the ground with thump. We hear it, cause and effect. That kind of thing is happening everywhere. It's the nature of dependent origination, pratyasamupada. But we, what we, what the mind does with that is it fascinates, or fixates, and gets fascinated by the movement and can, it can operate in lots of different ways. It can operate as, as threatening you, the movement, you know. It can operate as being entertainment. This is sometimes called sports. Any kind of movement is happening. Can and train you or magnetize you into its realm, into its activity, and touch on, trigger aspects of your own consciousness that, uh, especially someone with no mind training, that it just thinks it's me. That's just how I feel. That's just how I am. Oh, I've always been that way. Well, I was taught that. That's how I am. So it's like the person is endeavoring to do what? Accept themselves. So they have a little uh, autobiography uh, as a backup all the time for who they are. Uh, and that needs to be reinforced. You need to continue to chat with yourself. Um, I'm sure you've noticed you do much meditation at all. You notice that one of the things uh, when I say watch what moves, what moves is the mind stream or the thoughts in the mind stream. And uh, that's where you need to look. Look right at the affliction. Look right at the difficulty. Whatever you're experiencing, I don't care how much it sucks. And I don't care how entertaining or, or magnetizing it is. Just look at it. This is why I don't teach a form of meditation that is about shutting anything out or closing down or trying to train yourself to be some kind of a special meditation accomplisher person. <clears throat> this isn't to say that that isn't appropriate for some people. If you're listening to me, there's what, maybe a couple dozen people listening on any given, at any given time. That's enough. You don't need any more. And there's not going to be that many people who are, going, who are going to be connect with or be interested in this particular way of training the mind because it's a, it's a difficult one. It needs a lot of uh, support from Sangha community. It needs a lot of study, not just studying your favorite Dharma book over and over. And it needs a lot of uh, emphasis. There's a big emphasis if, if, if I am involved in community. And this doesn't mean getting along with everybody. I don't have any requirement like that. What I do have is stay in touch with everyone. 
especially the people that are the most challenging or difficult or seem to be the most, uh, what's that fancy word? Yeah, those, those guys. Stay with them and don't, doesn't mean you agree with them or you have to go along with what they say, but you could just receive whatever's happening with them. Some people just need to be heard. Even if they're, uh, if they show up to you as being uh, full of themselves. Sometimes I know where things are. Sometimes I don't. So, in uh, Nagarjuna's Dharmadhatu Stava, the 101, I think it's 101 verses, in praise of Dharmadhatu, in praise of the realm of truth, uh, in the second century of the Common Era, um, he says, and this is a particular translation, if you read other translations, it'll show up in different ways. He says, Enlightenment is neither near nor far. It does not go away nor come to you. Right there in the cage of your afflictions. Either you will see it or you will not. Interesting sense of humor he has there. You're always looking at it. You're always looking at the very difficulty that you are trying to solve, avoid, get away from, or that feels like crap. This is why we have a uh, practice of meditation. This is why uh, the Buddha taught this 2,500 years ago and why teachers down through the century teach teach us to be aware of what's happening. I say, excuse me, hold very still, sit down, sit in a symmetrical position, get everything as symmetrical as you can without struggle, without warfare, and do not maintain. This is a little bit different than the Zen tradition, or even the Tibetan tradition, where they even sit in wooden boxes and don't get up for weeks. I think they have a, some other kind of a tube running there. I don't know. But I would say, pay attention to what moves. That means your body also. The body-mind, if you can stay there, of course, we know that already. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. And you'll notice that the very affliction, it might not show up today, tomorrow, this week, but if you're persistent about it, eventually all of the cover-ups start to drop off. And they drop off because they need support. They need some kind of a pressure or some kind of attention. So you could observe. You could sit down, hold still, and observe that movement in the mind. And then I, as I've been saying for years, if you feel really uptight and you feel like you can't sit there and look at the wall anymore, get up. That's why we don't have forms here that that are like children's forms where you, you have to get a permit to go to the bathroom. You should you should pay attention to your body, and this uh, this uh, container, this environment, this uh, this uh, meditation mandala or circle, if it is uh, if it functions in the way I've been teaching for a number of years, uh, it will allow it will it breathes it breathes human beings human being that you are sitting down, you're, you're, you're doing your best, you're sincere, you want to train your mind, and I want to help you. And what do I say? Watch what moves. And that movement may be, for the first half hour, maybe your your thought, uh, mind stream, your emotions, a memory about something that happened, or maybe just an intense feeling with no source. You feel just feel terrible. And I would say, if you can stay there, stay there. If you can't, get up. Make no excuses. You don't have to explain anything to the to the Eno or to your mom. But 
when you if you're in the zendo, if you leave the zendo, you would you would you would observe the form. You would bow as you always observe the form. When you get up off the cushion, uh, if you're doing block sitting, you don't strike the gong at all. You don't mark that. But what you mark is the beginning. And four hours later, it's kind of an arbitrary number. Strike the gong again. If you're doing it on your own. And then what moves in that four hours, that is your training. It will never particularly repeat itself. Well, oh, it may. If it does, if it repeats itself a lot, a lot, then don't abandon the repetition for a conclusion about what the repetition means. Death comes without warning. So anything showing up is going away. If it seems to have some kind of maintenance, just watch it for a while. If you do nothing with it, you will notice it collapse. Nothing lasts. So in the cage of your afflictions, which means sit down, hold still, and watch that, observe, receive. That's the other way that I talk about it, is to receive whatever's arising in the mind stream, whatever's knocking at your door, whatever's, whatever butterfly is fluttering around uh, your window. Allow that to come in. When I say allow, I'm just saying don't stop it because if it's necessary for it to come in, it'll fly right through the glass. It'll fly through the wall. So in the cage of your afflictions, this is where it's at. It's, it's, it, that's the, the, the boundary or the barrier for each of us. And each of us have a different kind. As uh, uh, Chazan was talking about in his uh, student uh, Dharma talk about the sudden consciousness. Uh, there's different ways that this uh, prevention of, of uh, invasion or the threat to our self-centeredness shows up in different ways. Self-love, pride of self, self-reference, thinking that everything is about us. Anything that happens is immediately referred to ourselves. It's not about stopping that. Some some uh, forms, some teachers uh, uh, talk about cutting that off, and even I will say that uh, in some ways, but I, I just mean to see it. And then if it comes time to uh, get out the, the chopper, to get out the uh, katvanga, the katvanga is the three-pronged the three uh, harpoon <laughs> uh, symbolized in the tantric teachings that that penetrates passion, aggression, and ignorance at once. So as you know, I have a background in uh, Zen and also training in uh, uh, tantric practices, which I don't particularly promote yet. I may and I may not. I don't think I had more than 10 or 15 minutes. And even that is uh, not dependable. And I don't mind. I don't mind not knowing what's going to happen next. That doesn't mean I'm not watching everything that's moving. Like I, like I say, watch everything that's moved. Watch everything that's moving. In the, uh, as soon as you conclude anything about what you observe moving, you stop watching the movement. But the illusion that you're still watching it is very strong because because we are in a cage of our afflictions, and that cage is 
might not look like a cage. It might look like freedom. It looks like anything. If it looks like freedom, then that's suspicious. Because you can contemplate, as Nagarjuna says, um, verse 89, I think it is. In fact, I know it is this number here. Samsara's tendencies. In other words, up and down, back and forth, right and wrong, life and death, grasping and rejection, passion, aggression, and ignorance, open fear, jealousy, rage, thirst. Go on, you can go on. We could all make up words for the rest of the day. Bowling, fishing, trap shooting. Samsara's tendencies are ponderable. You can think about them. You can watch them. You can look at them. But this is the next line. Some, the first line is samsara's tendencies are ponderable. You can look and you can, test it. You, can, uh, you can investigate those, look into how they work, and they move this way and that way. But freedom from tendencies, freedom from tendencies is not ponderable. You can't think about it. And it's interesting that freedom from tendencies doesn't mean you don't have tendencies. It just it means that you're not in a cage anymore. It's, you're so much not in a cage that you can actually start having tendencies and it's not a threat because there's no solid being anymore. There never was, but you just you can't, you can't find yourself. Nobody can find you. You can't find yourself and you're not actually hiding. What's the Chinese word for hiding? You just learned a Chinese word for hiding. I was going to share it with you, but my memory can't remember Samsara's tendencies are ponderable. Freedom from tendencies is not. You, whatever you are, are completely inconceivable. And then the last line is, who could ever have the power to know you? What, what, what can, how can something that's not separate be known in the conventional sense of black, white, red, blue, orange, large, small, present, not present? Chazan. Chazan, going. Um, at the beginning of the talk, you said what you are looking for is inside the affliction. Is what we are looking for something that is in contrast to the affliction? We might look at it that way, but it's actually not separate from the affliction. It, it, we start out as seeing it something separate, and then it's necessary to look at it and look at it, the, the, the tension. Uh, and let, let's say that it's... Uh, could be anything from remorse, it could be anger, it could be hidden rage, it could be uh, intense fear without having any idea of what's causing it. Or it could be just a simple abrasiveness somewhere in the background, uh, or some kind of grasping or feeling a little kind of left out, maybe feeling, uh, I'm just going through several of them. It could be a feeling, feeling lonely and uh, at some point, we just we just stop objecting to anything, but we also don't agree with it. So the passion, aggression, and ignorance is very, very subtle. We don't agree with that. We don't object to it. And we don't ignore it, and that's when the 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 the, the unreal structure, the structure of relative truth that we think is so true, starts to crack and come apart. We begin to see that there, there isn't. It, 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 nothing changes. Nothing goes away. Your your intense fear, your suffering, it may come and it may go. 
you're no longer concerned with uh, results, particularly more. When we look at that affliction, we're just using an example of anger. Is there a way to begin to see what we're looking for within the anger? So it's just about looking at the anger. And the anger, if you just look at it and you don't explain it, you just look at it and you don't uh, object to it or run away from it or put too much push, push on it too much, and you don't distract yourself away so you don't feel angry uh, into any kind. It could be a, a, you could distract yourself by just lecturing yourself about don't be angry. You could go to the, uh, the what is it, the ninth uh, grade precept, which is don't get angry. Well, there's no way you cannot get angry, but that precept needs to be there. It needs to be there so that you'll continue to bring your awareness to that. Those, as a Koban, uh, Koban Chino Roshi, my Zen master told me directly many, many years ago, uh, you don't, you don't take precepts, you observe them. So that's, that's difficult because to, to continue to observe the anger or to, to continue to observe that you're kind of out of control, or just using that to go to your direction with it is, is, uh, is not a relative surrender to, to, to uh, the anger situation so that it doesn't boil over. It's, uh, it's actually uh, not being separate from it. So this is why it's difficult because you, the, the actual uh, uh, transcendent or uh, non-materialistic approach to anger is, is about not separating yourself from it anymore. So therefore you actually are the anger. Because as long as the anger is something happening to you, you'll want to push it down. You'll want to justify it. You'll want to say, I just can't stop getting angry. You'll have all kinds of scenarios, stage plays, and uh, you'll write, write uh, quatrains about the anger and so on, using that to express. So, But to just view it, this is why it so, can be so scary, because the very anger, the very fear, the very tension, the very... Uh, neurosis, the very cage of your afflictions that is arising, um, the way to work with that is just observe, just observe that. And because if you try to do anything with it, it sets up a polarity. But if you, and it's difficult because if you, you or me or anyone, if we think about that, we think, well, I can't do that. I've got to stop it. But otherwise, I'm, I could hurt somebody. I could hurt myself. I could mistreat somebody. But the only way around is through have to go through it. So you will have to go into the very area that is uh, challenging or, or sending you little thought balloons that this isn't going to work, this, uh, this won't work. I can't, I can't do this. So why it's necessary to have the, the form that we all use, those of us who are consider ourselves students of the Buddha's Dharma, the teacher, the teaching, and the community or the Sangha. Uh, Melissa from Portland has a question. Melissa. She asks, if we look at our afflictions, what are we actually looking for, especially if the afflictions or troubles keep coming over and over again? Melissa. Well, that's, what, that's, that's why that's that way. It keeps showing up. We, you can ignore the cage and ignore the cage because you're distracted into this ignorance. Or you can have stories about the cage, which, which actually makes it look like there aren't any bars. And you can... So the, it just seems to be necessary to continue to come back and keep it very, uh, very uh, 
minimalist is one word I've been using lately, and also radical. In other words, go to the root, the actual bar. See if you can see that. See if you can if you see if you in your sitting practice of meditation, you can do it there. You can also just uh, be uh, you could say somewhat passive. You're just you're just on receive. You just allow things to come up. And you and I and all of us, we've been doing this forever. We've been meeting like this forever. When I say forever, it's a way of talking about it. You're saying this energy keeps showing up. Twelve human beings, but you're not limited to being a human being. There, there isn't anything you haven't been, and there isn't anything you won't be. The question is, are you going to wake up, or are you going to continue to go into the darkness, go into the darkness, go into the darkness, go back into some kind of hiding or some kind of uh, ignorance, and of shutting down? This is an opportunity to awaken. And even if you've been practicing for uh, 20 or 30 years, it seems to take a long time. But I would say, don't give up. I won't. I can't give up. I won't give up. Shoto. Shoto Valley. <coughs> if we... <clears throat> Louder. If we are... Louder. If we're acting on our afflictions, does that keep us from looking at it directly? Like trying to stop it? I'm, I'm saying we actually are still reaching out towards things. That you would you would identify as uh, grasping that, that is, uh, seems to get it beginning in the way. So this is a very, very personal. It's a good question, but it's very personal. But if you have a strong and not but, but, and if you have a strong awareness practice where you're spending time sitting down, holding still, and just watching the movement, it might not, the movement you're watching in sitting meditation might not have to do with that grasping at all. But you might just be there, at the common uh, image I often use is you're just sharpening a blade, not cutting anything. You're just sharpening that blade, just observing. And it might be little uh, uh, tinker toy thoughts that go through your mind. It might, you might feel like uh, you're, you're, uh, Kind of spontaneous conclusion about it is well, this isn't getting anywhere. Watch that because that's the way ego talks. That's the that's the protection. It's like saying there's nothing here. It's like uh, the politicians will say, "You going on here? What? You're up? You're you're trying to do what? It's a stage play. Don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it. And don't fight with it." So therefore, to respond more directly to your question, you you may have to, if you're doing a lot of sitting practice, uh, then when those kinds of grasping situations that you seem to be asking about come up, you'll be more and more and more clear about the way in which you want something else, the way in which you do that. So that's going to show up differently for each person. Uh, I might talk to three people and have, they have a similar question. And with one person, I would actively maybe... Uh, give them some kind of a technique to stop doing that. I mean, someone else I might say, just, just observe that. Uh, someone else I could say, and I'm just letting you know how what a wide range there is a way of uh, working with people. Some people I would actually tell them to stop practicing because of the way in which they're handling it. They need, they need more uh, 
more distance away from the sharpening stone because they're, 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 there's too much aggression going into it. Usually it's not that way. Usually they're people are lazy because they take after the teacher. Yes. How should we include the teacher in the Sangha when our practice is changing in that way? Just uh, that would be your bailiwick there. That would be how, how it showed up for you. Everybody's going to do this differently. So I would say you, you talk to the your student of mine, you talk to me. So I say you're doing that. You stay in touch with the Sangha. You, you live in a monastery. You're going to be, uh, unless you unless you chicken out, you're going to be ordained as a monk here pretty soon. I'm watching you. I'm still watching you. Got that robe done? Zagu. Hmm? Zagu. Got the Zagu done? That's too small for a Zagu. <laughs> that, that wouldn't even cover, that wouldn't even, it needs to be big enough so you can actually bow. That's what we're talking about, a bowing mat there. That he's, so. That's my out. That's your out? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't bow again. I can't be ordained. Well, okay, well, I'll ordain you in a few more years. Yes. Question from Joseph in Kalamazoo. In addition to my virtual Spanish classes, I am required to teach a virtual class once a week titled Social Emotional Learning to my middle schoolers. Part of our curriculum is teaching mindfulness meditation, starting with 60 seconds focused on the breath. You've said that the mindfulness movement tends to encourage an identity of a meditator and not to encourage others to meditate unless they ask for it, and even then, very gently. What might be a good approach to work with my students given our circumstances and requirements? That, that sounds fine. These are, this is a requirement for them to do this? It's fine. Is it, how long was it? 60, what, 60 seconds? Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's not that's not intrusive at all to, in terms of the, I look for something that's intrusive into the self-centeredness into the ego territory without having permission and that's that's not enough to but if you were making those young people sit for half an hour or something and following your breath that would not be a good idea but 60 seconds isn't anything especially for the middle schoolers they would be like 12 yeah that would be fine not a, not a problem Joseph Kevin Bowling. Yes, Kevin. How might, I know this is situational, but how might using the Kadvanga on affliction show up in practice? So Kadvanga or the, the trident, uh, uh, the, the three points uh, that shows up in uh, tantric uh, images, like there's all kinds of choppers and bowls of blood and everything. Uh, trying to scare you into the situation or scare you out of it, one of the two. Keep you away when you shouldn't and get you closer when you should. So they're just uh, they're just uh, images. And it, it just means that if you see what this is, bang. It's not even a bang. Uh, if you see what this is, the, 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 the passion, aggression, and ignorance no longer operate in terms of supporting some kind of imaginary self that needs to win, imaginary self that needs to lose, and an imaginary self that needs to run away or, or not or just ignore the whole thing. So 
uh, I think uh, the the technical uh, uh, term in in, uh, in uh, Vajrayana is the Vajra-like samadhi, or the indestructible uh, seeing of no, of no separation. This would be along the lines of that that trident, indestructible, because it's it's just uh, see. It's not so much a piercing. That's a, a medieval image from. Uh, that comes from ancient the Pern tradition in Tibet, the shamanistic tradition, also the ancient Indian uh, tradition of uh, Tantra. So those uh, all come together back in the early centuries, 900,000, 1100 years ago. And uh, so that would just be a, a tantric uh, image. And it, it seems like it's it's saying it, ha- it can happen at once. You can, ha- you can do it all at once. You don't have to just work on one of the poisons or one aspect of the cage of your afflictions. That, that's my understanding of it. Jayden. When we're looking at an affliction, is that does that also affect the afflicted? Is that a way to work with the afflicted? Say more. Um when I'm sitting and meditating, it seems that oftentimes my awareness is, is placed on the content of my mind and emotions. And I'm wondering if by observing that, that's also helping to see the observer as opposed to actually actively trying to put the emphasis on the observer. So I think it's individual there. I think the idea is to watch what moves, and which is... Uh, Afflictions of passion, aggression, ignorance, thoughts of uh, um, thoughts of the three poisons or whatever is arising, coming and going, just to observe that. I think that's the, the main practice, awareness practice, is just to watch what moves. And it can show up uh, aligned with any one of those kind of energies. Or it might be more uh, flat or bland or not much happening. You know, fish in a stream, clouds in the sky, kind of ordinary, uh, low level of uh, entertainment. And... Uh, it seems that the, that awareness uh, that is watching uh, with a kind of objectivity, in other words, watch what moves, uh, that, that will turn uh, when there's less, uh, less magnetizing going in the apparent otherness, that that, that same awareness uh, uh, can spontaneously look for someone or look for an, for an observer or look for uh, a witness and not find anything and not be able to see truly or fundamentally what's actually having the experience, who is having the experience or who's having or who's observing. So that can be done deliberately as uh, Ramana Maharshi taught in the uh, uh, Indian uh, sage Mahasiddha of the last century, early, early part of the last century uh, was a Atma Vichara or self-inquiry, like who's doing this? Who's 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 thinking? Who, 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 who? I think a little bit of that can work, but I think it might be best to just watch what moves. And at some point, spontaneously, one could begin to investigate. And it would be different with each person. Some uh, One person might just want to do that. a lot of that. Who is this? Who is this? Who's seeing? Who's smelling? Who's tasting? Who, who, who? Is there, is there someone there? Is there, a, is there an identity? This starts to... Uh, crack into in the Yogacara tradition, uh, which is called, as you talked about yesterday, the seven, seventh consciousness, the Kalesha mind, and starts to move into that area. And 
with some kind of awareness it tends to um, yeah tends to go and look at that area where there's pride uh, where there's self-reference and self-love and so on Teresa Bowen. Yes, Teresa. How does um, being or becoming the anger or the neurosis different than accepting it, Bowen? <clears throat> so we have to use words, and they're very relative. And unless you, uh, if you're trapped with relative relativity, you're going to be trapped with words. But seeing and seeing. The entrapment is seeing the cage, and we have to start somewhere. So we, we begin to, to look at it that way. So what the ultimate seeing is seeing it's not separate. You're not separate from the anger. You don't have to get away from something that you're not separate from. It doesn't mean you are that fundamentally. You're just an angry person. There's no, the, the personhood is not there. Anger is just, uh, as it's sometimes said in the Tibetan tradition, wrong, don't force self-existing. It just shows up. Um, as it's uh, as a, and um, it's difficult because you can't you can't do this with uh, rel- with the conceptual structures of relative truth. It's very difficult to describe 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 it. So uh, back to your question, if you could bring that back a little bit, and I'll and I'll go into deeper into the first part of your question. Teresa Bowen. Um, I was asking about the difference between being the anger yes. and like trying to accept it and just, yes. I, I accept this. Yeah. And I'm saying, don't, yeah. ex- I would say, don't accept anything. Don't accept anything. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't accept it. Don't accept anything. Don't, because it, 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 it is, a, it can, it can, maybe not always, but it can function, function as a cover up. That actually keeps you from looking at that deeply because you're, well, I'm just going to accept it. It's kind of a laissez-faire. Well, I've been fighting with this, but, you know, we start to tell our neighbors. That's usually a clue. If you start to tell your friends, relatives, well, you know, it was giving me a lot of difficulty for a while, but I just accepted that. Just accepted myself. This is the height. Well, it's maybe it's the height, but it's 15 pieces uh, off the ground of uh, self-centeredness. And it's very, very camouflaged and very difficult because when you hear someone say that, we say, oh, good for them. They, they finally accepted that that they have jealousy or they finally accepted that they're this or that or the other thing. So we, it looks like some kind of a success story. This is spiritual materialism. So I would say don't accept, don't reject, and don't shut down. That's difficult to do unless you have a strong awareness practice and unless you have a teacher that you can at least give the benefit of the doubt to. And also I think what is required is uh, not only that, but uh, study the teaching, study the Dharma with Sangha, not just read books on it. I'm sure you've noticed, many of you have been reading Dharma books for the last several years, notice that some of them are very entertaining. It's just really cool to read this particular book. And there's other books that are miserable because they're so, they're, they're, they're it's like a whole bunch of nuts and bolts rattling around in a pan and and uh, called concepts. And some people are very good at sorting those out and will explain what this one means and what that and how this works into that. And uh, just a, a more uh, involved and complicated evasion of what this is. 
not that that's not important or valuable. We need to look at all of that. We need to look at the whole situation. But as far as accepting, uh, rejecting, or ignoring, those are the three. Those three poisons can show up in very sophisticated and kind of muted tones. So we don't see the bright red. We don't see the deep black. And we don't see the rainbow. Yes. Um, Melissa from Portland has a follow-up, a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. uh, she says, uh, you have said you can actually live without not knowing what to do next. It's called authentic presence. What if this not knowing becomes or is an affliction and brings aggression? Sometimes it feels like since starting Shikantaza, I have more afflictions and I can't go back to just being normal. <laughs> you never were normal. Come on. <laughs> you know, you're here. I say, keep going. This is how it feels to step onto this path. It's as soon as you step onto the path, different for everyone, it starts to get rocky. It starts to get bumpy. It starts to get their sinkholes up here, things to trip over. Uh, various forms of mental poison ivy start to show up and but you have a path you actually have uh, a path that has been uh, followed by Harivrajikas uh, or searchers or seekers down through the centuries and some of them become sages some don't but you're on this path just watch what moves. And the, the what you're saying, it seems like you're getting worse. I'm kind of paraphrasing what you're saying. Well, of course, this is because you're starting to look at the stuff that when you were normal, you were covering thing up, things up. You were just going to be normal. And you can go back to that if you want. You cover everything up. Stop meditating. Get two more dogs. And I don't mean that sarcastically. I'm saying just involve yourself in physical stuff materialistic stuff that, that magnetizes you and uses up your time. And that will happen, not blaming you or accusing you of anything, but that can go on and on and on and on until uh, your body mind goes back into the elements. This has been doing over and over and over again. But this is so much more complicated than any of us see, including this old man. That's so extremely complicated. If you want to see the how complicated uh, look at the carpeting in front of you or the floor or the dirt or whatever, or, or the, in my case, a, a little rug. Just look at that and look at how complicated that is. That's really complicated. What is that? If you break it down into its parts, you can't count all the parts that are right in front of you all the time. But it looks like one thing. It looks like an altar. It looks like a carpet. Uh, it looks like a table. Looks, looks, looks like, looks like, looks like, looks like. But is it? This is what you're doing when you're looking at your mind. You're looking at the parts that keep showing up that, that make up the illusion of someone who's living a life and knows that it's, uh, it's almost October. Those kind of thoughts are, continue to stru structure and support us as some kind of a real being living a real life. We've been doing this forever. So the contrast I, I'm about to talk about is look down and see how complicated that is. Now step outside if you're inside, or if you're outside, just look up. How complicated is that? It's vast. This is what starts, this the, the incredible vastness is what will start to show up in your mind, along with the petty mind 
that would like to get better, the petty mind that thinks that you're doing uh, not so good, but other people are doing better. But it used to be before I started meditating, I felt pretty good. I was doing okay. But now I'm feeling like crap because all these negative feelings are coming up. And yet here I am meditating. What's that about? I might say, I could say, in fact, I'm going to say, how do you think I feel? How do you think I feel? What do you think I was going through when I was 18 in the Marine Corps? That, that being is gone. That identity was there. I can remember some of it, but it was incredibly painful and magnetizing. I'm not here to complain about my life. I'm, I'm extremely lucky to have stumbled onto this path and into uh, my guru. So I would say, if you can, just keep going. And don't jump from one teacher to the next. If you, if you have an issue with this teacher, then, of course, you might have to find somebody else. But I wouldn't spend too much time looking around. This doesn't mean that if you're looking to me, I'm this wonderful being you've been looking for. I probably don't show up all that comfortable to you. And if I do, you should let me know so I could be more cantankerous. Junju. Question from Mary. You sometimes say you can see that nothing is separate. What about feeling that nothing is separate? Could could show up that way. I'm not sure if I'm addressing the question in a way that's helpful. Same seeing, feeling, you have feelings. You can see, you can smell, you can taste. Maybe you can taste that things are okay. There's even a rochik uh, is a name as a word in Tibetan that means one taste. It's a, it's a way of saying that there isn't any, there aren't any separate things. Everything tastes the same, but using the taste, everything feels the same. For me, it, it, I'm a visual person, so uh, when I say visual person, it just means that that's a strong uh, my sense feels that's one of the strongest that and thinking a lot. And so, yeah, I would say, yeah. Uh, the, the way you'll know if that's occurring is if you have uh, if you have agendas that keep showing up in the feeling that kind of dismiss that or make that the success story you've been looking for. Anything other than a direct perception of what this is. And to some people that's going to show up as a direct perception, perception of emptiness, and those empty of what you thought it was. Or it can show up as uh, a pure appearance, as what this is, which isn't exactly emptiness. Yes, sir. If things are fundamentally the same taste or one taste, what do we do to that that makes it seem otherwise? Well, we because of the because of the self-centeredness, which is uh, difficult to see, we we want something, we want more. Instead of just seeing that that's the truth as it is, just that situation, we, we add on ideas about it, our thinking process. In your case, it would be thinking about things. You, you don't have any gaps in your thinking particularly. When you do, you fill them up with thoughts. Don't agree with me. But don't ignore what I say either. Don't agree. You don't, you don't have to agree. Agreeing is a very low-level form of, of uh, the friendship. 
Don't agree. We talked about friendship. I gave a talk on that. I had a my uh, uh, my cousin, who was my my stepfather's brother's daughter. She, you know, so distant, but when we were, she was uh, quite a bit younger, seven, eight years younger. She, uh, and she's not any, uh, not a Buddhist, not a meditator, but she would kind of stay in touch. And she sent me a text not too long ago and said, I watched your talk on, fr- on friendship. Very interesting. And I thought, that's quite a bit for her. Someone who's probably an atheist. Choo-choo. A question from Yarku. Does who? A, from who? Yarku. Does a dog have Buddha nature? I don't know. I've not figured that one out yet. But I'm thinking that the ones next door are working on it because they howl all night long. So they're probably suffering. But I think their owner probably has Buddha nature. The dogs, I, I think, want that. I could take another question around that. We could talk about cats next. She says, I don't know what I know until I'm asked. And if you ask me, then I then I hear at the same time you do. I don't really think. You're, you guys are doing all the thinking I need. Go ahead. So you're bowing. Just another follow-up from Melissa bowing. She says, yes. she says thank you. Sokazan challenges me. What a bugger. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. I have her permission. I've talked to her a few times. Even if she is, uh, she, is she in Oregon? No, she's in Portland. Portland. She's in Portland, that's right. All those fires. Burned down, yes. Further, yes. A question from Hassan. Yesterday in my meditation, I experienced that voice in my mind that's not me, it's just a random voice. I have little control over. Now I keep thinking, if I'm not my mind, who am I? Okay, what's the question? I'm guessing it's, if I'm not my mind, who am I? Let me check with the, let's see. Uh, You are completely inconceivable. This is uh, verse 89 from, written in the second century of the common era by in the Dharmadhatu Stuva, praise of Dharmadhatu, he's saying that you are completely inconceivable, so there's no way you can know who you are. What's interesting is that when you find out who you are, you lose all interest in uh, that, because you, you, you see it's inconceivable. And then what do you do? In this lineage, you save all beings. You put everybody before yourself, and that's... Uh, that uh, ego can't do that. So you can't, you have to actually see that ego is unreal. And when you see ego is unreal, you see that the kind of reality everything else has as is imminent and pure in appearance. And it's not a thought pattern and it doesn't change. It doesn't come or go. Who you are doesn't come or go. You're neither born nor do you die. Don't believe anything I say. I'm not here to convince you of anything. I'm here to chase you away if you're not ready for this. Go do something else. But if you're ready, 
I've only got a few dozen students. I'll help you. A few more questions from Yarku. I've been doing Shikantaza for about 11 years on and off, but a while ago changed to focusing on breath with eyes closed because I didn't get results. How do I get results from Zazen? Get a teacher. If you don't have a teacher, you're not doing Zazen. You're just, it's just self-indulgent. Unless, unless uh, you actually can do this yourself. And I think it's possible, but it's unlikely. If you're here asking me questions, then I would say you need a teacher. Not me. I'm not here to sell you anything. But probably need somebody that you can talk to directly about this. Because if you've been doing chicken uh, Taza for 11 years and that wasn't working, that's you're just saying that you've been practicing spiritual materialism for 11 years. Well, no, no wonder it's not going to work. I mean, it will work spiritually, materialistically, probably uh, nine years or 10 years, you were able to still brag about it. To yourself, of course, of course, you wouldn't brag to others. But you'll think that you have a pretty good practice there. And does that mean you were doing 20 minutes a day, three hours a day? I, I would have to know more about that. But closing your eyes, if you have a teacher, even closing your eyes and following your breath, if you want to do that, I'm not against that. I done similar I taught, I taught uh, the following the breath practice for decades practiced it myself I don't do it anymore and but I'm not going to stop you from doing that if you were to come to me and say I really want to close my eyes I want to say go ahead close your eyes but that's what we do when we sleep but if you want to awaken you need to have all the senses open and on receive and not block one out when you all of the senses are hooked together so you close one sense any sense, you close any sense, and all the other ones do the same thing in their own way. Everything else just shuts down, and that's why it feels good to do what uh, S.N. Goenka taught to inmates in prisons in India in the last uh, century. It doesn't mean that he didn't help people. Of course he did. My goodness. They were in terrible shape. Of course, sitting down, holding stone, closing your eyes, and scanning the body. Of course, that's going to be a hell of a contrast to being in a prison where everybody's fighting and mixing it up. But it's not awakening. It's just calming down. Whew. Ten days of calming down. He said he was meditating 40 minutes a day, sometimes weekly, but sometimes would go a month or two without meditating. Um, he's in England, and the only Zen teacher is on the other side of the country. Doesn't matter. He has more questions. But that doesn't doesn't matter where these days it doesn't matter where anybody's at. I, I I never was in my teacher's back pocket. Neither one of them. They always lived a long way away. Go ahead. He says, occasionally I get a deep feeling in my stomach that tingles up through my arms, but I feel like I want to force it or concentrate on it. And it goes away, but it feels like I'm close to something big. Bursitis. I'm not mocking you. I'm just saying, that's just another way of saying, you're not. You think you're close to something, you're not. So, But if you attain enlightenment in a few weeks or, or whatever, then come back and correct me. That you're wrong. 
because I'm I was close to something big, but it doesn't sound like it. I never got close to something big. I must feel pretty good. Go ahead. He's got a lot of questions, doesn't he? You could write those out and send them. He asks, I'm an ex-addict, still taking 10 milligrams of methadone a day and slowly reducing. It makes me feel normal. Can I still get Satori or Kensho from Zazen? I assume you're saying while taking methadone. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a possibility. I think they can't rule anything out. The important thing is to, uh, uh, in, in, and I'm uh, biased here. Why wouldn't I be biased? I'm biased. I, I needed the, the three jewels. I needed the, the teaching person. What is being taught for 2,500 years and a community to interact with who are also studying the same thing. I don't think you can do it on your own. And that being said, I immediately know, yeah, you could. It's just rare. It's even rare for someone to do that, do this with a teacher and with a practice and with the Buddha Dharma Sangha. It's, uh, so I don't know. But for sure, I couldn't say for sure just based on what you're saying there. I think it's unlikely, but I don't know. Maybe if you work hard, I would. you're definitely going to have to sit more than uh, 40 hours or 40 uh, minutes uh, a few times a week. And having a sangha is important. Community. And we have, I have students who have, have drug issues of various kinds. So it's not something you can, just everybody has to be drug free, particularly. Sometimes you can't do that. So whether it's you know, maybe street drugs, but so-called uh, legal or pres prescription drugs are also, people are using them as part of our culture. Any questions on uh, Zoom? and Sheldon has a question in the chat box. Okay, you could read that and then we'll close. He said, how does someone go about finding a teacher? So, I, you know, it's going to be different with everyone. Uh, I, I think there's so many. I mean, if you just went on, you'd spend the rest of uh, uh, rest of your uh, life, maybe, or several months or several years, maybe, if you went on and listened to on YouTube. And there's a lot of people on YouTube. Teachers are very, very magnetizing. And I would, uh, if somebody has uh, thousands of students, which some of them do, yeah, go ahead. See if you get a chance to talk to that individual. If you can't talk to the person personally, ever, if you, all you do is you're just someone in the crowd and you're just listening to the teachings, it'll be difficult. It might feel really good and you might you might really enjoy the teachings and they might be spot on. You know, maybe they're they really magnetize you. But the evaluation part, uh, the thinking process uh, is, gets knotted up in that. It's, it might be even better if you have a lot of resistance to the teacher. So, um, in your situation, uh, you're, you know, I met you I know, 10, 15 years ago. I don't know how long ago it was, uh, Sheldon. And then you, you function as a student of mine, but your particular way of doing that is quite distant. I hear from you once in a while. Not a criticism. 
You're the one who sets the tone for that. Some people I hear from every single day, and I want to. If they want to contact me, but if they don't, I also don't. I mind my own business. But let you set the tone for that situation. So it's a difficult. So when I say how to do that, I would say don't even look for it. See, see if that's what something you really need. And as a Trunk Rinpoche once said many, many years ago, uh, better not to even begin. Better just, you know, I think he was saying just stay in samsara and keep fiddling around there and trying to figure out how to squeeze some happiness out of samsara. Maybe you can do that. But once you begin, better to finish. Stay in it. Stay with it. Practice it. Practice it. And whatever is happening, whatever is showing up in the, that particular mandala of the the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching, uh, and the community. Stay with it. Stay with that. Give the teacher the benefit of the doubt. Give the Sangha the benefit of the doubt. Give the teacher, the teaching, the benefit of the doubt. So don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it. Don't look away. Those are the three poisons. Those are the three traps, the way the way this self-centeredness gets trapped into uh, believing this and not believing. A lot of people ask a similar question. How do you find a teacher? I say, don't do anything unless you have to. But if you if you have to, then do it and don't look back. There's no reverse. If there's a reverse, there's a way out. You'll probably take it. Very good. So we can close. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery or Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. <laughs>